listening to Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale. Welcome to Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale, the weekly radio talk show where we unwrap and reveal the secrets that successful people use, and you can too. Available at successunwrappedradio.com. My very special guest this week is Kevin Eikenberry, Chief Potential Officer of the Kevin Eikenberry Group, a consulting company that provides training, coaching, consulting, and speaking services. For almost 15 years, Kevin and his team have been helping organizations and individuals worldwide reach their potential. He's worked with Fortune 500 companies, small firms, universities, government agencies, and more. He speaks on lifelong learning, developing human potential, teamwork, and creativity, and his goal is to reach organizations and people who believe in the power of action and want to succeed at their highest level. Kevin is the author of the best-selling book, Vantage Points on Learning and Life, and is a contributor to numerous books on success. His new book, Remarkable Leadership, is coming out soon. He also publishes four email-based publications and is the developer of the Million Dollar Skills Learning System. Kevin, thanks for being here to help us unwrap Remarkable Leadership on Success Unwrapped. It's my pleasure, Heather. I'm glad to be with you. So what exactly was it that first prompted you to follow this path towards helping others achieve success and leadership? You know, I grew, up, I grew up on a farm and always knew that I wanted to be in business for myself. But when I finished in the university at Purdue, I, uh, I went to work for someone else uh, in corporate America and loved the work that I did there. And <clears throat> my goal had always been to work for myself, but I didn't necessarily know what I wanted it to be. And uh, Heather, over time, I... I think that I could say maybe that I found this work or maybe that it found me, but however you want to get there, to make the long story short, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing the work that I believe I was put on earth to do, and, uh, and I love it. I love the work that I do every day. It's kind of interesting. Sometimes we're told that certain people are destined to be employees and certain people are destined to be entrepreneurs. And you've done both, and you said you were happy in corporate America. Is it that black and white? Well, you know, I I went to work in corporate America knowing that, first of all, the people that I was going to work for were, I, I felt were really good. I mean, my direct supervisor and his boss, when I first hired, were both great people. In fact, I remember telling my dad, the reason I'm taking this job is that I can learn a lot from these two guys, and um, they're going to pay me well to keep my building my education. And so I really looked at my work in corporate America as an opportunity to continue to learn, um, to learn a lot of things that as a as a college graduate, I didn't. I knew I was smart enough to know that I didn't know everything, and um, so you know I was well paid to continue my own learning journey. And then I supplemented that, Heather, by continuing to study the other kinds of things that I knew I needed to learn that weren't necessarily needed for my work, with the ultimate goal of eventually working for myself. Um, so I think that I'm pretty much a uh, a happy person to start with. So. I'll find the best in any situation, but I did meet a lot of great people, had a lot of great experiences, learned a lot working in corporate America. But my long-term goal always was to work for myself. And as I said, the goal was just to figure out what it was that I really wanted to do. So um, so for me, it was it was pretty black and white. But, but I do think, I don't know if destined is the right word, but I, I, don't, because I don't think it's as much about skills as it is about mindset. And I think that a lot of people have a mindset that, that is such that... Um, that they would have a hard time working for themselves or building a company of their own. Um, and there's all sorts of blocks that could be in the way of that. But, you know, I did, like, as I said, I grew up on a, in a farm, on a farm and in a farming and other agricultural businesses. And so um, 
I knew I knew what it took to do that. I knew what the pluses and minuses of that were going in, and um, so there were even though the business that I got involved in was quite different, I I knew what to expect in terms of a lot of those things. Well, if it boils down to a mindset, whether we prefer working for ourselves or working for other people, then can that mindset be changed? Oh, I don't think there's any, I, I, absolutely, I think it can be. I think one of the big mindset things that gets in people's way, and I'm guessing you'd agree with me, is that there are a lot of people that don't think that don't think that they, you know, that they want to be able to sell, or I couldn't sell, or I couldn't market, or any mm, of those things. And of yeah. course, that gets in people's way. I had a, a very wise guy tell me well, that didn't sound very very good. A very wise gentleman <laughs> tell me one time that there were to be a consultant that it took three things. You had to have three skills to be a successful consultant. And he said, and, and I, I'll share it not just because it's about consulting, because I think it's a it's a it's a pretty good analogy. He said that you whatever your it is, if you're an IT consultant or an HR consultant or whatever you are, it doesn't matter. Um, he said you have to be able to design it, whatever your it is. You have to be able to deliver on what you design to be able to deliver it. And thirdly, you have to be able to sell it. He says if you don't have all three, you better have a partner that can do the ones you can't do, because if you don't have all three, you'll never be ultimately successful. And I think that that's really true. So even though you might have to to reframe that a little bit, Heather, for something other than consulting, I think that that's really true. And I think one of the mindsets that gets in people's way is is around marketing and sales. Um, I do think there are other things that get in people's way around a variety of things, but I think all of those can be changed if you know if that's what if that's what people want to do, or if they have an opportunity to to see the world in a new way. Okay. You emphasized the importance of having an opportunity to continue to learn while you were on your corporate America journey. How important is this concept of lifelong learning? Well, I would suppose someone in my, do, does what I do should certainly say it's very important, and it is. Um, uh, in, in the new book, Remarkable Leadership, we talk about 13 competencies, and I start out by saying the, the overarching number one competency to be a more effective leader is is to be a continual learner, and and I actually believe that that's maybe the overarching competency for any part of our life. Because if we if we have the if we can have learned how to learn, and have a desire to continue to learn, uh, we have we have the ability really to to accomplish in anything. You know, to to, to learn the skills, to gain new knowledge. Um, so if we're not a good salesperson, we can learn the skills to be a more effective salesperson, right? If we're not if we're not good at design or we're not good at this or we're not good at that, we can learn those things. All of us, of course, have natural gifts that make some things easier for us than others. But, you know, my belief, uh, Heather, is that, you know, we all have the ability to uh, to do way more than we think we can. And uh, it's a matter of unleashing that potential. And to do that, we have to be in a learning mode. We just have to be. We don't have a choice. Speaking of that learning mode, I know that a lot of people struggle with taking in lots of information, and then they don't end up using it because it kind of, you know, it either sits there in a lump in their mind somewhere and they can't access it, they can't actually take action on it, and a lot of the times can't even remember what it is that they've learned. So what are some of the keys to remembering and actually implementing what we learn? Well, the first thing, I, I want to completely agree with you, and, you know, uh, if I've had people tell me this book changed my life. This book will change your life. I said that book will not change your life, but the information in it, if you properly apply it, might very well change your life. And so the information or the knowledge in itself is, you know, is only a precursor to, to taking action, to doing something different, to changing a behavior, 
to uh, making new decisions, whatever that whatever that knowledge leads to, it's the action, as you said, that makes the difference. <coughs> so I think the keys to some of the keys to doing that in terms of remembering it is that, I mean, there's all sorts of things that we could talk about in terms of helping people remember things. Let's say if you're reading a book, one of the things that you ought to be doing is you ought to be taking notes as you're reading or you ought to be stopping rather than trying to do as I used to do, which was to see how many books I can read, but rather to say how much of the book can become a part of me. And uh, although I still probably read more books in volume than most people, uh, it's much more important when I find a book that's going to be extremely meaningful to my life or to my work or for a, for a client is to is to really invest in the book, which means to read and reflect and take some notes and uh, and you know have a highlighter in hand and a pen nearby. So you know when we start to write things down, we start to reflect on them, we start to own them. And so rather than being able to recite a passage, instead we begin to begin begin to create meaning uh, for ourselves. And that's when that's when we have taken that knowledge and and turned it into something that's ours. And then of course. The, the big key is taking taking action. So, and I think that any book that you're reading for the purpose of, of for the purpose of you know improving in some area of your life, or any course that you would be taking, whether that's an audio course or listening to this or anything else, the key is to say what what actions will I take? Okay, knowing what I know now, what will I do differently? How will I apply what I'm learning? So asking those those questions, those action questions, how can I apply what I'm learning, how can I use what I've learned, those are the key things in the end to help transfer knowledge into action. And then what about keeping that going? Because sometimes we might go to a seminar or take a course and you finish it and you're all pumped up, oh, I've got this great knowledge, here's my action plan, I'm going to implement it, and then life kind of gets in the way and it just doesn't happen. So how do we actually implement that stuff? Well, it's so true. You know, that, that we talk, I talk about that in the, in the beginning of the, the Remarkable Leadership book, that you, know, you can go to the best workshop, leadership or otherwise. You can have the best intentions. You can be excited when you go. You can have a plan for why you go. You can go, and you go for two, three days, and it could be a wonderful course or whatever, and you, and you have an action plan, and, and you go back to your office to 75 emails or in your case, probably 275, <laughs> yeah. and, or mine, and, you know, 31 voicemails and 12 people want to walk in your office and talk to you about something, and, and then life gets in the way. So a couple, a couple of things. Number one is I think that when you build that action plan, you may be excited. You may have 41 things in that list. You're never going to get 41 things done right now, but you can get one thing done this week, and you should focus on the one thing until you get that done and then go on to the next one. So you can have an ex- and be excited and have that motivation and have that long-term plan, but you need to prioritize it. You need to pick one thing at a time. We can only really work on one or two things at a time. If we consciously try to change, let's say, Heather, that someone worked, wanted to work on being a better coach mm-hmm. you know, to their employees or whoever, um, and you had learned, been to a workshop and learned a whole bunch of stuff about being a better coach. Well, if you try to consciously work on doing two or three of those things at a time, you'll you'll do worse than before you started. It's sort of like when you learn to drive a car. And if, you ever, if anyone listening ever learned to drive a car on a stick shift, you know what it was like when you started. You had to consciously think of every step that you were doing with your feet and your hands, and, and you had a very jerky ride. But once those things moved from being conscious to being subconscious or unconscious, you know, you could switch the radio station while you're shifting and wave to someone out the window all at the same time, and, and the car moves flawlessly. And so the key there is moving it from being conscious to being unconscious. And it's the same thing with learning any new skill. Let's go back to this coach. 
if, if there's four, four new things that you want to get better at, let's say I'm going to work on this one until it becomes a habit. I, so it no longer is conscious for me to work on that skill, then I'll work on another and then another. Then I may come back to that first one again to deepen my skill even further. But if we're trying to, to fix two or three things all at once, we're suddenly losing it. So, for example, Heather, if, if you were trying to do, a, you know, you had some identified some things you wanted to do to do a better job of interviewing people, uh, you know, if you had three or four of those things in your head, the next interview is going to be awful because you're consciously trying to do that and you're not allowing yourself to do what you already know how to do. Right. So for us to for us to get better and really apply things, we've got to be we've got to be disciplined. No, no surprise there. But we need to focus one thing at a time. And the other thing that's I think especially helpful is have a, have a partner, have a learning partner. So if you go to that seminar, identify, match up with someone, and hold hold each other accountable. Get together on the phone or, or face to face. You know, two weeks out, three weeks out, four weeks out, and and be support for each other, and be and be some accountability for each other. That's a that's a key thing to help as well. Hmm. Okay. Now you mentioned that the first competency to being a great leader is to be a learner. What are some of the other competencies? Well, I knew you were going to ask me that, and of course, my book is not where I'm at, so I'm going to move to the book so I can tell you all of them. But okay. But there, but there, there, there are 13 in total, and um, uh, a couple of them, rather than just randomly do it, I'll just open it up so I can sort of do them in, in order. And I have an order not because they're necessarily in a specific order, but they're laid out in the they're laid out in the book in a way that makes makes some sense. Mm-hmm. And um, so they include they include things like. Um, remarkable leaders champion change, communicate powerfully, build relationships. Remarkable leaders develop others, of course, coaching and mentoring and those sorts of things. Um, remarkable leaders focus on customers, or depending on what kind of organization you're in, you might not call them customers. You might call them patients or, you know, uh, clients or whatever. Uh, but stakeholders. Uh, remarkable leaders influence with impact. Remarkable leaders think and act innovatively. Remarkable leaders value collaboration and teamwork. They solve problems and make decisions. They're decisive. They take responsibility and accountability, and they manage projects and processes successfully. And then the last chapter and the last competency in the book is remarkable leaders set goals and support goal achievement. So the book is designed and, and the process is designed to help people focus as we were just talking, Heather, about one thing at a time. Let's work on one of those things at a time, get better at that, and even focus on sub-skills within that. So, you know, communication is a big thing, right? To be a powerful communicator, there's a lot of stuff there. There's listening there. There's, there's, there's speaking face-to-face. There's uh, writing. There's um, giving presentations to larger groups. There's all sorts of things about the communication process that are important for us to get better at. But we can't work on all of them at once. We've got to pick one at a time. So we try to give people very specific, actionable, practical things that they can have an impact in making improvements uh, right away. Can anybody be a, a remarkable leader? I believe that everyone can be a remarkable leader. It goes back to what we said earlier that, you know, we're, we were all born with our DNA with a unique bundle of skills, talents, and, and such. And, and just like, you know, it might be easier for you to learn the piano than I, for example, we can both learn to play the piano. And although one of us might have better math skills than another, we can both learn mathematics. Um, there, are, there are certain skills that um, probably make it somewhat easier to become an effective leader faster. 
you know, if you really do have some challenges as a communicator or, or being able to build to build relationships, that may those are certainly all skills that can be learned. They may take some of us a little longer to master or to move towards mastery than others. Um, but but the thing about leadership is it's a it's a complex thing because humans are complex, and then you put groups of humans together, and you get you know you get mega complexity. Mm. And so the skills that it takes to be effective. It's not just one or two things. There are there may be a couple of things that are that are really really important, like being a, a, able to communicate. But all of us can focus on our the, the, the skills among that list of thirteen that we talked about, and maximize on those, capitalize on those first, and build from those. And so the short answer is, I believe everyone has the ability to be a remarkable leader. I've read a lot of uh, newspapers, and I've seen a lot of birth announcements. Mm-hmm. And I've never, ever read one that said, today a leader was born. But I've read a lot of obituaries that talked about people that exhibited a lot of leadership. So somewhere along the line, we learn how to do those things. Um, even though our, you know, our, our genetics and uh, the gifts we've been given by God may help us in certain ways, I think that it's inside of all of us to be able to do that. So the birth announcements never say a leader was born today, and yet, you know, 20 years down the road, people say, oh, he was a born leader. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. You know, it's sort of like the, they, they talk about people being a, an overnight success, you know, yeah. they never talk about the 10 years, years later. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, you're talking about focusing on the areas, the competencies where we're naturally more inclined, where we have our strengths. So what happens to those competencies where we're weak? Well, I think that we need to take a balanced approach. I've, I've, Heather has spent a lot of time coaching leaders and working with leaders, giving them feedback based on uh, feedback they've received, right, and, and from their peers and from their, those that work for them, et cetera, in, a, in sort of a 360 feedback kind of a process. And when you give people a report and the natural inclination is for them to go and say, well, where didn't I do so? Where were my weaknesses? What do I need to work on? And so that's most people's natural tendency. Their focus is on, what am I not good at? I better get better at those things I'm not so good at. There's nothing wrong with that. And certainly, there are things we ought to get better at, uh, all of us. But my approach and my belief is that we need to spend at least as much time strengthening our strengths as we do improving on our improvement areas. Because it's in those areas of greatest strength that... Um, first of all, that we can we can improve even further, faster, right, and easier. Because if there's something that you're good at, you like to work on that. You like to improve in that area. You're interested in that. So if you can identify what you're naturally good at and build on those things and spend as much time doing that as you do working on your weaknesses, the, the true growth you're going to experience is astronomical. So look at it this way. If you think about... I know you're in Canada, but I'm going to use a U.S. example for a second. Okay. Um, if you think about U.S. presidents that, uh, that most people would recognize, well, several years ago when, when Ronald Reagan died. Now, when Ronald Reagan was president, there were a lot of people that maybe not have liked his politics or whatever, but everyone pretty much said, you know, Reagan was the great communicator. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone recognized that, and there was a lot of talk about that when he passed away and about Reagan was a great communicator, and I think everyone would agree, regardless of your politics. Now, Reagan, as a leader, also had some, some pretty big weaknesses. I read his biography, and he talked about some of them. Most people would say, well, you know, he didn't do a very good job of delegating, or he delegated too much. He got himself into some trouble, and some of his folks got into trouble because there wasn't as much guidance as there could have been. But in the end, what do people remember? They remember Reagan as the great communicator. Hmm. All of us 
are basically defined by those great strengths. And leadership in the end is a perception business, right? If Heather, if you think I'm a great leader, from your perspective, I am a great leader. Right. right? And that will be defined by those things that you think I'm really, really good at. So not only do we move faster internally as we work on those things we're good at, but if but if I go from the 90th percentile in something to the 95th percentile in your mind, then then I become even more exceptional, even more remarkable. So there's all sorts of reasons why, as leaders, we should work on both our strengths and our weaknesses and not just focus on one or the other, if that makes sense. Yeah, let's just make a, an example out of that. So, for instance, if I'm working towards developing my leadership skills and if I look at the list and say, my greatest strength here is as a communicator and my weakest strength is the ability to manage processes. Now, what do I do with that? Well, then, I, first of all, recognizing that having some self-knowledge or feedback that says that is a great first step even to have that thought process, right? And then the second thing is to say, okay, if, if I can work on one thing at a time, what I would, what I would probably say is for the next month, I'm going to work, I'm going to pick one of the other those. So say for the next month, I'm going to work on improving my skill at managing processes. I'm going to learn a little bit about, more about process management or this or that, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then next month, you know, maybe as I'm doing that, I may be thinking about, well, what area of communication might I want to continue to, to, to improve on, right? So I'm going to, if those are the two areas I want to focus on, I'm going to maybe spend a month or so on one and then move back and forth over time, continuing to build my skills in both of those areas. Finding sub-areas within that. Those obviously both still very large areas, right? Mm-hmm. Finding sub-areas within those to continue to work on. So that would be, from a, from a tactical perspective, what I would recommend. Find out more about Kevin's book at RemarkableLeadershipBook.com. That's RemarkableLeadershipBook.com. And I hope you've enjoyed the first segment of our interview, but it's not over. There's a full 200% more than what you just heard where we delve deeper into these success principles. To unwrap the full interview and get lots more tools for success, just sign up to become a Success Unwrapped member on any level you choose at successunwrapped.com slash members. This has been Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of Success Unwrapped, helping you to unwrap and discover your own potential for success. Until next time, keep unwrapping. I'm Heather Vale. This podcast is part of the Blueberry Network at Blueberry.com. That's spelled B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com.